This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for being here once again. The Friday edition of the podcast as we head into a big weekend for the Mariners. First, we'll talk about last night a little bit and go through that ball game. As the Mariners fall a tough one in extra innings to the Red Sox, they lose in 11, 3-2. So they end up splitting the series with Boston. Still some big games on this homestand coming up, including a big three-game weekend this weekend featuring Ken Griffey Jr. His number retired, a ceremony for Ken Griffey Jr. on Saturday. And then the Detroit Tigers, who've been red hot, finally lost a game last night, one point winning eight in a row. They come in next week for three. So the Mariners get the split with the Red Sox. Still want to get some work done as the schedule eases up a little bit in terms of teams they play above 500 and with records. So We'll see if uh, the Mariners can take advantage of that. But it was a game last night, a very interesting ball game, where they had a starter making his, first of all, Major League debut as a starter, and Mariners debut. He pitched just once in the big leagues. That was against the Mariners on July 3rd. But Ariel Miranda looked pretty good, got into some trouble early in the first inning, but got out of it. The set by Miranda, and the pitch on the way. Swing and a miss. Strike three went after an off-speed pitch. First Major League strikeout as a starter, Ariel Miranda, and it's a big one. Jackie Bradley Jr. swings and misses for strike three. The base is still loaded, but now with two outs. Miranda looked back, delivers the hill. Swing and a fly ball into shallow right field. Goody coming in. Franklin is there, and he makes the catch to retire the side. And how about that? Ariel Miranda gets out of a bases-loaded one-out jam, and the Red Sox cannot score. Here in the top of the first inning, the kid has ice water in his veins. And he was solid, showed a good live arm, gave up a solo home run at one point, two runs in six innings. I think he would have taken that in a heartbeat and certainly kept the Mariners in the ball game. Mariners trailing 2 nothing at one point, but then striking back with two runs in the same inning, led by Sean O'Malley. Pitch to O'Malley, swing and a high fly ball. Deep left field, Brent's going back to the track, to the wall, looking up, goodbye baseball! Off the out-of-town scoreboard, Sean O'Malley with his first home run of the season. Holy smokes, the Mariners get on the board. Sean O'Malley jumps on Pomerantz's first pitch, and he pummels it 
to straightaway left field off the out of town scoreboard Red Sox two and the Mariners one what a shot by O'Malley the two one to Deho Lee curb swinging a line driving to right center field falling fast it's gonna drop in a base hit Heredia will score Cruz around the third the relay to third not in time Deho Lee with an RBI single to right center scoring Heredia He's tied the game at 2-2. So 2-2, two two, and then it became just a battle of the bullpen. The stretch, and the next pitch, swinging a ground ball to Short O'Malley's got it. Over to Cano at second one. Relay to first, and it's in time. Double play, and the inning is over. 6-4-3. They get Holt at second and double up bets at first base to retire the side. And with Diaz down, Cichette going on the DL. Mariners short-handed in the pen and they were to their last man standing Cody Martin although Wade LeBlanc who's been starting said he was available last night just in case but they got to Cody Martin who came on and gave up a run in the 11th the Mariners though a chance to tie things Sardinius at third base two outs bottom of the 11th Seth Smith pinch hitting the stretch by Ziegler and the 3-2 on the way, swing and a miss for strike three, and the ball game is over. The Boston Red Sox hang on and win it 3-2 to two in 11 innings, and the Mariners come away with a split. It was such a strange at bat. It looked like Sardinius at one point was going to try to steal home. The shift was on against Smith. No one home at third base whatsoever. Sardinius a monster lead. He was kind of dancing off third base. At one point, Ziegler stepped off the mountain and kind of ran towards him. Sardinius retreated back to the back, but with his large lead at third, it almost looked like for a moment he was going to try and steal home to tie it. Instead, Smith, he draws a 3-2 count, ends up striking out, and that was the ball game. Tough time getting a lot going offensively. Yeah, you know, uh, frustrating night for, for our offense. You know, you know, to hold that team to, to two runs, basically, and for, until the 11th inning, you know, you got you to gotta do more offensively. Uh, you know, they got a very good offense. I thought our pitching was outstanding tonight. Uh, uh, Miranda really threw the ball well. Didn't quite know what to expect there, but after the first inning, he, he settled in nicely. And, uh, you know, our bullpen was really good as well. So um, a nice job by our pitching tonight. And, you know, we really didn't uh, obviously didn't do much offensively tonight. We didn't do much offensively the whole series, so it was uh, a little frustrating there. No, that's that's what it takes, you know. And and uh, you know they got good pitching as well. There's there's no doubt. But you know they we had, I think we had nine walks tonight. So uh, you know we, we got on base. We we had multiple opportunities, and you know just just couldn't cash in. It's uh, it's tough. You know we've played a lot of close games. The last five or six have all been nail biters right towards the end, and uh, you know we we can't quite uh, you know finish, get over the hump, whatever you want to call it, um, to to kind of take that next step forward. So yeah, a little frustrating, um, but you know we played well, um, but you got to hit, you, know, you got to get the big hits. Yeah, a little bit. I thought you know with the left-hand hitters we had coming up behind them. Um, you know, like their chances to try to extend the game, uh, you know, so it was a thought, but, um, you know, look at that both ways. I, uh, you know, chose the bunt, thought it was the right play, and, you know, we had, obviously, guys got the bunt down, we got in scoring position, uh, just didn't just get the big hit there at the end. 
Uh, I thought the fastball was, you know, it's got a lot of life to it. Um, it gets on guys. Um, it's a good, clean delivery. The, the ball comes out good. I think secondary pitch-wise, uh, his changeup is really was really effective. Threw some really good ones, good arm speed. Um, certainly I felt it was a plus changeup tonight. Uh, the breaking ball, probably a work in progress, probably his third pitch. But uh, like the way he competed, you know, he, he didn't back off at all. I thought the, the way the first inning started out, it could have got a little dicey. But uh, I give him a lot of credit. He hung in there. And, you know, it's... Uh, it's hard. You get traded. Uh, you know, Cuban player doesn't speak hardly any English at all, but uh, seemed to get comfortable and you know he threw the ball really well. When you got him, um, there was some talk thought that he might fill that Montgomery role, who could start or go long and release. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, he, he could do either one. Um, you know, obviously he threw a lot of strikes tonight, and you know we'll have to see. You know where we're at, um, but it's nice to have a guy that can do that. Again, we had, really didn't know what to expect, uh, but you know, good job our, our our scouts and our people to recognize somebody like that that can certainly help us out. Do you, were you helping them, or did they, did they just make well, pretty good arms, too? Yeah, they do. They have very good, very good uh, arms over there. You know, Pomerantz, a lot of curveballs, um, you know, and he didn't give in. You know, he threw a lot of them in deep in counts, 2-2, two, 3-2, two, two, trying to get us to chase. We laid off plenty of them, um, but we just couldn't square one up, you know, to get the big hit there. And, you know, their bullpen's good. You know, Tozawa did a nice job. Kimbrell, I thought, was really good tonight. Uh, you know, but you know, games like that, you got to find a way, and we just didn't get it done. O'Malley, the one guy, did, did give you a couple nice at-bats. Yeah, he really did. You know, on the home run, uh, Pomerantz, uh, nice uh, at-bat off a of bod. Um, you know, he's a, he's a little scrapper. He'll give you everything he's got, every every at-bat, every night out there. So, appreciate his efforts. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's came down. These games, are it's about getting the big hit. And it really is. And um, we did a lot of other good things, just, just didn't finish it off. That grounder, he probably feels like he should have made that one. To, what do you have to do to keep him... To dwelling on, not dwelling on that. Oh yeah, I mean, all, everybody's gonna think they should knock that one down or, or make the play. It kind of he didn't get a really good read on it, you know. I don't know if it's the base runner there got in front of him or whatever, but uh, you know, it's a play he typically probably comes up with. But you know, uh, they got the break tonight. A really well pitched series. The Red Sox, the number one scoring team in baseball by far, and in the rotation especially. In the three game set, uh, four game set rather, an ERA under two. They only walked two, struck out over 20. The ratio is outstanding. The rotation really pitched well. And Felix Hernandez, happy Felix Day, will take the baton tonight as the Mariners will take on the Angels in the first of three games. So tonight, Ken Griffey Jr., bobblehead night. If you're going to the game tomorrow, be there at 5.30 for the ceremony, but get there earlier than that. Gates will open early, around 3.40. Gates will open early. You want to be there for what is going to be a fantastic weekend. Also, if you're going to be there this weekend, you've got to carve out time to see the plaque. Ken Griffey Jr.'s plaque will be on hand for a couple of days. His actual plaque will be on hand for a couple of days. And you want to make sure you see it. Uh, it's a rare opportunity to see it. So it's going to be a fun weekend, certainly, at Safeco Field. Mariners Angels, Felix tonight. Uh, great matchups. Mariners want to take advantage of taking on the Angels and putting together a good weekend and, of course, celebrating Ken Griffey Jr. as well. And speaking of Griffey, we had a chance to talk to Jay Buhner about what it was like in Cooperstown. He was front and center, involved with everything at Cooperstown. Here's what the bone 
had to say about his experience. Ken Griffey Jr. entered the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Jay, of course, you were there. Let, let's talk about Yes, I was, with my pom-poms and yeah, my crying yeah. what, towel. What, what were your <laughs> which, which I basically used a lot. What were your emotions heading into that ceremony? Um, well, it's, I mean, Mike Piazza, man. What a, what a speech he gave. So uh, that, that got it all going. I think everybody was, uh, that's where the tears started to flow from there. And then then Junior basically proceeds to not even get uh, two words out of his mouth before he's born. So uh, it was awesome. It was hot. Ooh, it was hot there. But uh, both of them did an unbelievable job. And it was just uh, what a what a great weekend and uh, what a great privilege to be there. And, and I will tell you, I know some a lot of people said it, but the Mariners rolled out the red carpet. First class all the way. So um, it's fun. Man, I... I I just look back at it. It's probably the, the most fun I've had because uh, all the old cronies, you know, uh, was in the same house with the Valleys and the Moyers and, and Edgar and that seems Dan sick. the Man. And, <laughs> and no, it was pretty ugly. <laughs> you know, Bone, Gary and I were in Toronto calling that game when you guys were at Cooperstown, of course. And we had, by the time Junior's speech was going on, it was pretty late in the Mariners game. It was around the 7th or the 8th inning, but we were kind of one eye on, on, the, on the monitor of his speech and one eye on the game. And we were saying on air, listen, we've known forever now that Junior was going into the Hall of Fame this year, but there was something about seeing him standing at the podium and on the front of the podium, you have the logo for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And there he is with all the Hall of Famers behind him. Even though we had known that it was going to happen, since before spring training, there was just something about seeing him standing up there where we all knew that he would eventually be. That, that in and of itself was very moving. What was it like for you just to take in that whole scene? I mean, yeah, I mean, some of those Hall of Famers that were there, the who's who, and then to be able to walk through when, uh, in front, when they were all in front of their plaques was uh, pretty impressive. I mean, it had uh, the hair standing up on the back of my neck because it doesn't stand up on the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> but, but to see Junior, too, actually, it was so funny. You know, at the end of the speech, I heard more people say, wow, I mean, Junior was crying. He lo- I mean, it was just good to see him be like that. So now he's actually a real human being because he showed his emotion. I mean, I, it was just kind of funny to me because he, he kind of like what you see is what you get. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. It proves so much how much the game meant to him, um, how much it's such a fraternity, um, how much uh, you miss it because at the end of the day, there's nothing that fills that void when you walk away. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, to be able to go out on your own terms is pretty cool. And then to see him turn, to, to end it the way he did and uh, pull the hat out, that was, pre- that was pretty cool. I mean, I think that's the most fitting way that uh, he could ever end his speech. And uh, it, again, it was fun to be there. It was fun to be a part of it. And I love the way he basically gave some love to, to Gar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it was all said and done, I, I, the thing that was really cool that I don't know if you guys realized or even heard, um, when we all got up and were walking out, um, the crowd was, was chanting, Edgar, <laughs> Edgar. It was, I mean, even Gar looked over at me and he goes, wow. I mean, so it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty that cool. That is awesome. It was. It was unbelievable. I'm not talking just, you know. Yes, yeah, so when you say the crowd. I'm not talking 100 people? people. I'm talking that whole center section that were full of Mariner uniforms, all of them, to the point of where you could, I mean, it was loud. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So there were some diehard Mariner fans there that, that basically traveled a long way to be there and be a part of it. 
and it showed. It was awesome. I mean, I've never I mean, fifty thousand people, guys. Wow, fifty thousand people were there, and I, it could have been a hundred. It, it was so packed, um, and so it was kind of in the cornfield in the backdrop. It's kind of the old if if you build it, they will come, and boy, did they sh- they showed up in groves, and it was it was really special, really special. The uh, the dinner the night before, first class, man. First, I'm telling you, there were so many, and the Hall of Famers that came through with Reggie Jackson, you know, Ricky Henderson, uh, Dave Winfield. You can go down the list of who's who of guys that were coming through, Randy, um, and for all of them. And then when it was all said and done, everybody was going, I've, in all the years that they've done a pre, uh, pre-party, I've never been to anything like that before, ever. Never been to a dinner that was so first class. So, again, that goes back to the Mariners uh, basically going first class all the way. Kevin did a heck of a job and said, you know, we'll spare no expense for this. This is a special occasion. And, Mr. Mather, you, you, you nailed it, man. I thought you were talking about Kevin Kremen. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people that need a lot of credit. Need a lot of credit. Kevin Martinez is Absolutely. another Kevin. Absolutely. Uh, and Mandy Lincoln. I mean, that that girl deserves a raise. So yes, I said it again on air. <laughs> Everybody in the front office is cringing because I said that word raise. But uh, you know, for all those people that wear a bunch of different hats to make it go off the way it went, it was first class all the way, and it was uh, it was a great pleasure and so much fun to be a part. Some crazy people there, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, it was, I mean, nonstop to Detroit and then a little puddle jumper all the way in Knuckleball Express in the Albany and then a uh, two-hour drive uh, to beautiful upstate New York that was absolutely beautiful. And here's the little town of Cooperstown. And it's first class, man. They know how to do it right there in that city for sure. That's great stuff. Thanks for the thanks for the stories. That's awesome. Yeah, how about the sound effects? You like that? Oh, that was great. Oh, sound effects yeah, yeah. are the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harden's already cut those up. We'll use those again. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, that's great stuff. I'm but, sorry you guys uh, missed it because it was it was a it was a heck of a party. It's a heck of a party for a heck of a guy. Yeah, it looked awesome. And I'm looking forward to this weekend and yeah. sitting around and uh, actually getting a chance to uh, rap about old times and get caught up because uh, it was a whirlwind. And a fun conversation last night with the Boston Red Sox in town. We had a chance to visit with their legendary play-by-play voice, Joe Castiglione. Uh, Over 34 years at the mic for the Boston Red Sox. He has seen everything, so it was fun to talk to him about the Red Sox present and past. Playing a ground ball, stabbed by Folk. He has it. He underhands the first. And the Boston Red Sox are the world champions. For the first time in 86 years, the Red Sox have won baseball's world championship. Can you believe it? Well, what a call that was and what a moment in Boston Red Sox history as we have that legendary voice with us, longtime broadcaster for the Red Sox. It is the joined by Joe Casiglione. Joe, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for stopping oh, by. We love it. Could you make the weather any better? <laughs> what a week this has been. It's absolutely sensational. I don't know why Seattle's a reputation of being a rainy city. We never see a rain. Yeah, don't tell anyone. <laughs> it is a secret. I know. You want to keep those Californians away, right? <laughs> so I want to start with Big Poppy, David Ortiz, who has meant so much to the Red Sox. But you look at Red Sox history, so many great players down through the years, Yaz, Ted Williams, you name it. In your mind, where does David Ortiz fit in terms of Red Sox history. Well, he's on the Mount Rushmore of the Red Sox. He has to be with three world championships and all the clutch hits, you know, with Ted and with Yaz and with Pedro Martinez. 
Somehow there should be room for Roger Clemens, too. Uh, but Poppy's meant so much to this club. Uh, he's been the glue for three world championships, not only with the big hits, but with the presence he brings and the leadership uh, that he shows. And uh, he's, he's such an interesting guy. Uh, he leads the world in hugging people, <laughs> especially opponents. Yeah. You know, you, all can, you can see him around the batting cage or in the outfield with the opposing team day after day after day. And, uh, and then he has to do battle against them. But uh, he really has it in perspective. To see the numbers that he's putting up this year and to know that he's retiring, where do you see those numbers coming from with him? And are you absolutely sure he's not coming back? I'm pretty sure he's not coming back. It takes him a lot to get ready for a game. He's got a lot of pain in his feet, his Achilles. Uh, he does a lot of work in the weight room that people don't see. And it's really going to be, uh, he said, maybe if they win the World Series, and, you know, he goes out in the blaze of glory. He might consider it, but I don't think so. I think he's, his mind is set that this is going to be it. Uh, he's building a home in Miami. So I think he's, uh, it's guaranteed that he's not going to come back, especially after all the tributes he's had on the road. <laughs> <laughs> can't, give right. all the, can't give that 34 pounds of salmon back. And he got that Flava Flav uh, clock at Big Chain, you know. He's got, he's got to take that home with him. Uh, Joe, the Red Sox, third place in the East, three games back of the Orioles, and just two back of the Toronto Blue Jays. What's been the biggest uh, up for the Red Sox this year and the biggest down? Well, certainly the offense has been the biggest plus. Right now, it's in a bit of a lull. They are averaging only three runs a game on this uh, trip. But it seems like they always have difficulty scoring on the West Coast. But I think uh, the offense is so diversified. The young kids are just so outstanding uh, with power and speed and uh, what they bring to the game, the ability to learn, the energy uh, to go with Big Poppy and Pedroia. Uh, that really is the plus. The pitching, of course, is the question. You know, it's hard to win when you're 10th or 11th in ERA. Yeah. And uh, Dave Domrowski made the Pomerantz deal. It's a big start tonight. He's had three starts, one good, one bad, one in between. But it's a lot different pitching in the AL East than it is pitching in the NL West. We're joined by Red Sox Hall of Famer, longtime voice on radio for the Boston Red Sox, Joe Castiglione. And, Joe, I want to go back to 2004. And the one of the greatest postseason series in the history of the game, when the Red Sox were in the gutter, they were nearly buried I mean, the, the, the grave had been dug for the Red Sox, down three games to none in the American League uh, Championship Series. And David Ortiz, his fingerprints all over that revival for the Red Sox. What is it that you remember the most about that series? Well, I remember thinking that uh, when they were losing 19-8 to in Game 3, that this Yankee team isn't that good. They're not good <laughs> enough to sweep the Red Sox. And there's got to be more to it than this. But I had no idea they could rally to win. I mean, Kevin Millar said, don't let us win one because then we'll keep going and win them all. And he was right. But, of course, Poppy hit the walk-off home run in game four. And then in extra innings, a bloop single walk-off hit to win game five. And it it took off from there with uh, a couple of umpires reverse calls, especially the one where A-Rod slapped the ball out of the hand of Bronson Arroyo in game six and then a blowout in game seven. So, I mean, it was the most, to me, it's the most uh, important series in Red Sox history in winning game seven, even over winning the last game of the World Series, beating the Yankees when it really mattered with a pennant on the line, I think is the most critical win in Red Sox history. You've been behind the mic for so many big moments now for the Red Sox, World Series championships, everything else. Do you have a favorite call? 
Swinging a ground ball, stabbed by Folk. You just played it. <laughs> uh, that would have to be number one. And anytime Pedro Martinez pitched, because it was such an event, and uh, he's, he's just such a great personality, intelligent, and uh, and such a great pitcher. Everything about him when he pitched was was very special. But there have been so many moments. But you'd have to say winning it for the first time in 86 years had to be number one. Joe, as a broadcaster for the Red Sox, what's it like to be a trustee for the history of such a storied franchise? You know, Ted Williams and all the great players. Well, it's certainly an honor. It's a lot of responsibility. You, you realize that uh, it's the franchise that's, that's important and the game is important and we're just the messengers. But you try to send that message uh, as best you can and as honestly as you can because uh, you can't fool fans. They know what's yeah. going on. Uh, and as long as you report honestly and uh, and are prepared and have passion, I think the passion is critical because baseball on the East Coast uh, is known for its passion, especially in Boston and New York and Baltimore. And uh, I'm sure it is here to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. we really see it uh, day in and day out, especially in the AL East. Winning that first World Series in, in the spring, what did that do for the organization? Well, I think it relaxed the fans of New England. <laughs> Didn't have to hear the stories of where you were when Bucky Dent hit the home run or where the ball went through Buckner's legs. Uh, and uh, everyone had a story. I mean, I had a story about the Buckner thing. I happened to be outside the Mets clubhouse, uh, the Red Sox clubhouse at Shea Stadium, waiting for the celebration, <laughs> which, of course, never came, at least on the Red Sox side. But I, I think it relaxed fans, and, and it relaxed the organization so that uh, – they could build. That 4 team really was a conglomerate of players from different organizations. And then they began to build from there. In 07, uh, they had a lot of homegrown players, although the Josh Beckett trade was big and it was really the best team in baseball. And then uh, in 13, a combination of homegrown and free agents. And now this year, uh, at least among the everyday players, almost all homegrown. Joe, our good buddy Dave Henderson passed away during the offseason a day or two after Christmas. He had one of the biggest home runs in Red Sox yes, history did. off of Donnie Moore of the California Angels in 1986 to propel you guys through to the American League pennant to the World Series in 86. What was it like making that call? It was unbelievable because we thought it was over. The guard dogs were engulfing Anaheim Stadium and uh, the police were on horses. And we thought it was over. The Gene Mock was finally going to win a big one. And... And then uh, Hendu kept fouling off. Yeah. Splitter after splitter, one-two pitch, and then he, he hit it out. Of course, they didn't decide the game because the Angels came back and almost won it, actually. They tied it and had the winning run at third with one out, and Steve Crawford got out of that. Hendu won it with a sack fly in the 11th inning. But it was uh, – and, then, of course, payback came three weeks later when the Red Sox blew game six. But it was amazing. Uh, and Hendu, of course, hit two – big home runs in the 86 World Series, yeah. and there would be a statue of him in Boston today and the collapse not happened. What a wonderful guy. Yeah, um, and, and my favorite memory of Hendo was the 88 playoffs. He's with Oakland, and we broadcast from right behind the screen there uh, in Oakland for the playoff series, and, you know, you're only a stone's throw from the on-deck circle, and the game was tied. The bases were loaded, one out. Hendo's kneeling in the on-deck circle, 
happen to make eye contact and he waves. <laughs> That's Hendu. That's Hendu. That's typical Hendu. Oh, in the World Series, some fans yeah. in the upper deck in Cincinnati were cheering for him. You know, Oakland A's fans, hey, they're cheering for Hendu. He called timeout, stepped out of the box. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's what made him so good in the big moments. And Big Poppy, very Relaxed similar him. in that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Poppy's case, a lot of it is not only his attitude, but because he's such a good hitter. He yeah. puts the pressure on the pitcher. Joe, you've been on radio for the Red Sox for nearly 35 years now. You've had a chance to see with your own eyes basically every Mariners Hall of Famer. And Ken Griffey Jr., of course, going into baseball's Hall of Fame this year. What is it that you enjoyed watching about Jr. play more than anything else? Well, the ease with which he played the game. I mean, it just seemed to come so naturally to him. And especially watching him in the outfield with those home run robberies. I always feared him at the plate. But uh, there was something about... The grace that he displayed, I think, uh, is what stands out the most for me. Unless he was facing Tony Fosses. <laughs> he could not hit Tony. He couldn't hit him. Remember he bunted yeah. for a base hit against yeah. him? But the last time up, he hit a three-run homer in the bullpen. <laughs> Along those lines, what do you remember about Edgar Martinez? That he had no weakness as a hitter. I mean, everything. He could hit any pitch anywhere. And... There was real no book on how to pitch to him because he was that good. And such a classic gentleman, the way he went about his business. Uh, I think just with uh, such class and such dignity. And it's great to see he's back on an everyday basis. And I know your offense has really improved mm-hmm. since his return. Well, Joe, thanks a lot for the visit. We certainly appreciate it. This was a fun conversation, no doubt. Well, a lot of fun to be with you guys, and I uh, wish we came out here more often. It used to be <laughs> twice a year before yeah. early play, and yeah. now we settle for a four-game series. But uh, you made a Chamber of Commerce weather for us, if not uh, with the results on the field for the Red Sox. Well, and, and, Joe, you have to tell us, you did make it out to Lake Union again this year, right? We did. I took the, the group kayaking on Lake Union and avoided the seaplanes. And... <laughs> That's always good. It, it was a little hairy for a time. <laughs> and, a, and a bike ride for you at UW as well? Right, or through the uh, UW campus. And uh, there's so much scenery here. We love it. You never knew you could paddle Kremen, that fast, Kremen, you've got to, you? like, lead us on a kayak trip next time. Yes. <laughs> In Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 Joe, this is wonderful. Thank, thank you so you, much. Joe. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate thank it. You, buddy. Ladies, gentlemen, thank you so much. See you later.